It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to Talent Talk. Thank you for joining me. And, you know, this show really is about us having a conversation with someone or a couple people. We'll see if that happens today or not um, around talent and about what's inspiring us and what are we doing with our people and what are we doing as individuals to to be really talented and, and to, you know, get better and to learn more and to hopefully impact our the people around us and our organizations in a very positive way. So this happens because I, you know, tend to run into people at in, in events or on LinkedIn or wherever I we can find them and they have, you know, sort of a pattern of, of being those types of people. We love to bring them in and have this show really be that conversation where we can talk about all the things that might be happening and opportunity to really listen to what somebody else is thinking about, concerned about, and really studying or, or trying to get better at. So, um, you know, from the many years I've done the show, I really was a great privilege and a very Really happy that I was able to take some of the best stories from the uh, from the radio show, some of the coolest things that people talked about, and the best stories, and put them into a book called "The Power of Company Culture." And it's all the things that kind of distilled their best lessons and kind of what I think the best companies are doing now. So, take a look at it if you want on Amazon and pick up a copy. Um, Talent Talk is live here every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And as I have mentioned, we are um, also push this as a podcast afterwards, and you can find that on iTunes and iHeartRadio. Um, for the last uh, so many, many years, we're averaging over 10,000 people a day that are downloading a podcast or listening to a show, interacting, sharing, doing whatever you want to do with it. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for following. And if you're not already following, and find us right now and go subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, we'd love to have you keep the conversation going. Speaking of that, um, we do live tweet um, our live shows every Tuesday, which means that uh, my producer, Mike, is diligently listening for only the smart things that we say, only the good things. And then he puts them onto Twitter immediately. Um, and so you can be there live. You can come back afterwards if you go to at PeopleG2. Or if you just follow that hashtag, Talent Talk, all one word, you can see all the cool things that were said and you can disagree, agree, add on your own opinion, like, share, whatever it may be. But we do that all on Twitter where that's kind of a better place to keep that conversation going. So look for us there right now if you want to uh, be a part of that. So my guest in studio today um, and... I'm going to feel like I'm going to now suddenly have panic that I'm going to mess up your last name all of a sudden. So we're going to bring in Anita. Anita, how do you say your last name correctly? Nygaard. Nygaard. Okay, that's what I would have said, but suddenly <laughs> I have this 
anxiety and panic that I was going to say it wrong. So, um, Anita Nygaard is here, and she's the president of Core HR. And my second guest, hopefully, will be Lacey Garner, although we suddenly have had a nil issue in trying to reach her today. We don't know if something happened. Uh, hopefully, everything is good there. But um, if we can reach her here in the next 10 or 15 minutes, we will have her on the show. Otherwise, we'll just talk a little bit longer with Anita, So, which is a good thing as well. But let's go ahead and get to my first guest. Anita, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. It's good to be here in sunny Costa Mesa. Yes, I'm so <laughs> glad that it's finally sunny because it has been in the 30s, which I know for the most of you around the world and or in the uh, United States, you just think we're a bunch of wimps. So that's fine. But for Southern California, have, have been as cold as it was. It's, it's been a re- record-breaking winter. Yeah, record-breaking sure. winter. And I almost invested in an ice scraper. My ice, <laughs> my windshield kept being frozen Frosting. every day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, so anyways, um, you know, it looks like we're just going to have a conversation being you here today. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, your, talk about Core HR, what it is, what you do. And of course, you know, what do you think it's important for us to know about our conversation here today? Oh, sure. Well, what we do is we help to take the fear out of managing people so that small to medium-sized professional services businesses can accomplish their objectives, their business objectives. So we're the nerds behind the scene that help you navigate through the complex state employment landscape. Mm -hmm. Um, It's overwhelming. The amount of regulation that small businesses have is overwhelming. And we don't expect business owners to be the expert on that and how that's supposed to work or how you prioritize. You can't have everything on the dashboard as a 10. Right. Um, So we help business owners work through that and uh, we focus on the professional services space. So a lot of engineering firms, architecture firms, financial services, medical device, laboratories, and the like. And you and I started talking about before the show that, you know, there's so much going on in that regulatory world, both from intentional regulations where there's, you know, lawmakers passing laws and and telling us what we should or shouldn't be doing with our employees. But there's also, then you have the courts, right, which are interpreting those laws and they're giving their opinions. And so things keep changing a little bit here and there. I think it was district, the ninth district court recently changed their whole release form landscape for us inside of our background check world. And, you know, by saying things need to be simpler, you can't put them all on one paper. So we, we've literally gone from everything needs to be on one piece of paper to everything needs to be broken out, like almost like an accordion in and out five times based on, you know, court opinion. So it really is difficult. It is a challenge. And, you know, you need partners, you need companies like you, um, selfishly, like my company, um, that will help you Agreed. deal with it, right? You know, yeah. uh, it, the, uh, yeah. you don't need to be, like you said, the expert of this. You need to be the expert of your business. That's right. And let somebody else help you come in and, and keep you from getting sued because those lawsuits yeah. are big. Oh, yeah. They're they're pain in the butt. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Just, this, just the amount of time and expense that you go through when you're trying to respond to something that you could have headed off that you didn't need to even trigger. Right. Uh, but you didn't know the difference. Right. Um, it's huge. I mean, just like, you know, I, I would explain to a business owner, do you do your own taxes? No. Right. You would right. work with a CPA. Right. Same thing with human resources and same thing with the types of services that G, people at G2 provides as well. Yeah. And I think maybe the difference with the taxes is that we know we're supposed to fill out our taxes. And if we don't, someone's going to come knocking on our door because they want their money. But I feel like with the human stuff, people think it's not going to happen to me. Right, they're, they can go, and they're not going to do the things they're supposed to do because who's who's going to bother me? Who's who's going to come after me? I only got ten employees; they don't care about me. And yet, somehow, it happens. And right. a disgruntled employee, uh, one of these, you know, ambulance chasing trial attorneys that chase this stuff. I mean, they find it, Very and when true. they do, it's like you. 
You, you 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 wish you would have you know done everything you should have, and it's too late. You can't fix it. It's it, it just, is. It's going to cost you money. I, I like to say to business owners, being lucky up to now is not a strategy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, is that but was that hope isn't a strategy? Hope luck isn't, isn't a strategy luck either. Luck isn't a strategy either, <laughs> unfortunately. So I know looking in your background, you have an undergraduate and graduate degrees in human resources and organizational development, um, professional right. certifications, uh, make you a practitioner for over twenty five years. I w- w- went to with think you've been in the business that long, but 25 years is great experience. Um, what inspired you to become an HR professional and you know, what continues to inspire you to, you know, to, to continue to be that practitioner? Sure. Well, my family was one of those families that pegged what the kids were going to be. And I showed a natural inclination early on of weighing in on disagreements and mm. advocating for the underdog. Right. Okay. <laughs> so my parents pegged me as the lawyer. Okay. And when I went through high school and chose my college, I chose it with the blinders on of what would be the best preparation for becoming a career attorney. So it wasn't until actually I graduated from my undergraduate school and I became a paralegal and did that with a Wall Street law firm and got involved in all sorts of business aspect issues, whether they were mergers and acquisitions or litigation or employment law. I got involved in all of those because I really wanted to determine which was the best fit for me as a career attorney. Mm -hmm. What kept coming up were these litigation cases where I would look through the fact pattern and I'd say, oh my God, this really could have been headed off. This really could have been avoided if you had just sorted it out, if you had just done this. And it really started to get to me. I couldn't stand it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, if, if I'm going to have a career where I'm making a contribution that I'm really proud of, I want to get in there before it goes to litigation. I want right. to prevent litigation, especially unnecessary litigation. So that's when I literally changed my direction from applying to law school to going to graduate school, and I got my degree in HR and organization development. And then uh, you founded and, and lead an HR consulting firm, Core HR, as we mentioned, based That's here right. in Orange County. Um, and since the field of HR is vast and very variable, um, what can you tell us about Core HR's kind of business focus? Um, uh, you know, maybe. What you kind of started to mention what does a typical clientele look yes. like with engineering yeah. and, and, and those different types of group. Right. But what are the services that maybe they specifically are looking for from you? Sure. So, for example, one, one of the most common things that we'll do is help a business create an employee handbook. Um, you, you wouldn't believe how many businesses out there either don't have one at all or they're using a handbook and they've just changed the name and maybe it belonged to a company that was three times their size mm-hmm. and maybe it was something that was up to date 15 years ago, <laughs> right? but they thought, good enough, we've got the form, we'll just change the name and we'll hand this out. Um, so that's a very, very dangerous endeavor in yeah. our state because as we both know, things change all the time, court decisions, new laws. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that's one of the most common projects that we'll do is we'll work with a business to give them a compliant, up-to-date, right-sized employee handbook that makes sense for their business and their industry. So not only will we advise them on the laws that trigger with employee sizes, because in our state, 25 employees is the magic number. Right. 25 is actually the new 50. Everyone used to say, oh my gosh, I know. Well, and for some things, it's gone down to five. Like the uh, new sexual oh, yeah. harassment stuff just went training, down to five. New training yeah. requirement went down to five. Yeah. So, But literally at 25, so many things trigger at that point, like 85%, 90% mm-hmm. of employment laws in our state have triggered that if, if you've got a small growing business and, and you thought that you were okay if you stayed under 50, no. Once you get to 25, everything is triggered. So employee handbooks are very common. 
We help businesses create pay structures that make sense so that they know if they're competitive with the market. Um, because a lot of the businesses that I work with, they're really vying for the same talent. So you're robbing mm -hmm. Peter to pay Paul. So you really want to make sure that your pay and your reward system, such as your benefits, are competitive. You don't want someone to leave you because they could get 10000 a year more right. uh, as an architect or as an engineer. Um, we also do a lot of HR audits or assessments, whichever is the more friendly word, um, with a new client to make sure that we've got an idea of the lay of the land of what you've got. And from there, we take that information and create a strategic blueprint for the organization. A lot of business owners may not even be aware of what they need to be compliant with. Mm -hmm. So we help them understand what the dashboard actually looks like. And then we prioritize how are we going to um, approach all of these issues? You know, what, are we, what do we need to knock out in the first three months, six months, year, and then start to get into more strategic work once we come up to speed on the compliance. Right. Yeah, I often really push people to look at their handbook first as that place to make sure that's updated because it's that's usually right. an easy thing for them to do. They can hand someone their old one and say, you know, <laughs> take a look at this. Um, but it, that's a good place to start to see where you're at and help Definitely. gauge and help anyone who's help, helping you gauge that. I, I, I'm trying not to get too many details here, but an, an early job I had for a business that I worked for, I won't even tell you what kind of business because you could probably figure it out. But um, they told me, well, we don't really have an HR person, but you're security and operations, so can you write us a write an employee handbook? And I went... And so oh, it falls in your lap. Okay. <laughs> so what I did is I went next door to the business next to us and said, hey, do you have an employee right. handbook? Can I and take they, a look at it? Yeah. And they said, sure, here you go. And they handed <laughs> me something that was so archaic and so old. Right. Now, I went on, and this is, you know, early on, there was, there was the internets back then, but there wasn't quite the volume of information you can get to now, right? It was still sure. very, very... Uh, sparse. And so I found out that at least half of what I could figure out was completely wrong and outdated. And I tried to update as best I could. And and the, the, the funny part of this story was not that they asked me to do it, not that they took it, my word for it, that I put it together with no experience, no HR background, not, not, no legal background, <laughs> but that many years later, I found out it was still in place. <laughs> <laughs> and they had never updated it from when I did it. Like, I must have done it wrong. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. They just right? left it there. And I begged them to, to, you know, someone I knew, please let them yeah. come in and help. Because I know it. <laughs> but that's, I mean, to your point, a lot of companies don't even have it. They don't have it. And then if they do, it's probably so outdated and right. messed up, it's causing, you know, all kinds of right. problems. Someone's so. brother-in-law borrowed it from another company right. and updated it. Yeah. And if you're in California, you need a new one this year, I think, anyways, and with you know, some changes that have happened. And if even if you're not in California, you probably need to have a review. If you haven't done it, that's right. usually, I always say, every year you ought to have someone just take a look. Every year, definitely, the, someone should review it. Yeah. I mean, the, the, it's An not expert. that expensive. An expert. Right. Someone who knows what they're right. doing. <laughs> right. And if you have some a good person who you trust, yeah. uh, if you don't, I'm sure you can call Corey Char. But, you know, they can, at least every year can kind of tell you, you know, hey, something's changed. Let's get this updated. And that, that right. can trigger what you need. And for us, that, that update, we realized, oh, wow, that... A threshold of five employees now changing things, and we needed to add in the sexual harassment training. So um, we've kind of figured out what we need to do, kept us compliant, kept us out of trouble, and it wasn't, right. you know, didn't cost it. It's going to cost me like $30 a head or something, you know, silly. For the training, to, to right? For the training. Mm -hmm. I, I one lawsuit, one would cost me thousands and thousands of dollars. Exactly. It's, it's um, definitely HR compliance, employment compliance is definitely an area where an ounce of prevention is well worth the pound of cure. Well yeah. worth it. Yeah. 
So considering kind of the complex employment landscape, uh, especially here in the independent Republic of California, yes. um, what's the tipping point when a new or growing small business needs to formalize their employee practices? Is it, you know, employee number one? Is it five? Is it 25? You know, you started to say 25, but when do you really start to really formalize that? Yeah, it's, it, you know, it, it with the amount of new requirements that trigger lower and lower, Chris, you know, as you mentioned, the new harassment training requirement that went into effect in January of this year that requires training for everyone in your company if you have five employees. I am getting inquiries more oftenly from uh, small businesses that are 15. Mm-hmm. So by the time they get to 15, they're already feeling like, hey, shouldn't we have an employee handbook in place? <laughs> shouldn't someone be telling us what to do with a leave of uh-huh. absence? Because we have no idea if we can right. ask for a doctor's note or what we can ask for, or what we can mm-hmm. do. So um, that that has become part of how my business has branched out. And I have a network of consultants who are um, who are very experienced, have over 20 years of experience uh, being HR practitioners, so that we can keep up with the growing demand from even the small startup types of business that might just have 10 employees or so, and they're uh, they're already feeling uncomfortable. They're already saying, oh my gosh, right. don't we need to have something in place, some controls in place here? Right. I want to make sure I ask you this question, and then maybe we'll take a quick commercial break and uh, break this up since we'll have just uh, one guest today. But um, I know you've consulted with hundreds of small businesses from around the Southland, and um, maybe what are some of the common employer mistakes that could probably be avoided? Maybe maybe let's start with what are the things you you think they probably should know even without you walking in the door that they seem to be messing up? Yeah, for sure. Um, one, of the, one of the key things is that the managers really don't understand how to manage performance. Mm. They're, they're not clear on how to clarify expectations. They haven't clarified role responsibilities, and they're really not sure how to manage a gap in performance. They're afraid of it. They avoid it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll hear excuses like, well, I, I hired an, an experienced employee. He should have known what was expected of him. Um, so we'll have that. We'll also have misclassification of workers. Um, we have, that one's hard. Oh, my gosh, is that I mean, one hard. That, yeah. That's very complex. It's one of those things you don't want to try that at home alone. <laughs> right. Whether your worker should be a 1099 contractor or a W-2, and we had recent court decision that was land-breaking mm-hmm. uh, last year on that. And then exempt versus exempt non-exempt. Exempt and non-exempt mm-hmm. is the other area, and that comes up all the time. And then the third area is the leaves of absence. Mm-hmm. Leaves of absence, not understanding what to do, what you can ask. Um, if someone's going to be out of your workplace for three months, don't you need supporting documentation? Oh, but I thought you couldn't ask for medical information. So that's another um, landmine where employers just are really unsure of what to do. Right, right. Yeah, and there's so much there that um, can really trip people up. I know. We recently had to relook at, you know, how are we handling exempt and non-exempt? And mm-hmm. I think one of the cool things that's out there that maybe people haven't thought about is we've started to take on a lot of these new tools inside of our organizations. And there's actually some really awesome tools that you can start adding on to really help you. So I'll give you an example. We use Slack. And inside of Slack, you can add on this cool thing called attendance bot. And so people can clock in and clock out. By using a program they're already using, they don't have to go to a separate program, they don't have to go to a time clock on the wall, they don't have to do an Excel sheet, they can just type in, type out, they can type lunch, and it does all the work for them, and then they can send their time, they can make sure it was correct, they can audit it, and then send it off to someone. If 
for some reason, we had this problem because we're remote. Sometimes people take vacation a couple days before their timesheets are due. Right. And it was like, now we can't reach them. Right. We don't have a timesheet. Now we have a way we can pull it. We yeah. can still get it. We can still pay them. And we, we've solved all these problems with technology. Perfect. But we had to think about it. Right. And that's, I think, what's missing a lot is people just don't want to think about. Right. <laughs> well, e- even Starbucks, even huge employer Starbucks recently got dinged because they had uh, uh, folks closing up the stores working off the clock just mm. to do. And it might have taken four to 10 minutes, 10 minutes on the long end to close things up after clocking out. But that went that that became a trial, huge trial. Right. And the courts decided, you know, Starbucks, you're a big enough employer to figure out how to get people to clock out after they complete all those duties. Right. So. Um, yeah. And that's they had to have the right technology and the right thing. And, exactly. And it was probably just something like, you know, clock out and then yeah. go close the door, right. or, you know, move this trash bin over and go. Right. But you're right. It's still four to ten minutes of, you know, time that how do you deal with that? And yeah. And it probably wasn't anything malicious they probably weren't trying to save four minutes on everyone's time clock it was probably just a bad process right yeah right and that's that's Indeed. usually what ends up happening it's just a bad process <laughs> yeah it's it's you just need to put a little forethought into it and say you know well how do we capture all this time yeah well, i know the state requires a ton of compliance for all employers of all sizes but business owners are sometimes understandably fed up with you know, maybe over-regulation or over... I think it's over-complication at times, right? Very true. Um, how do you handle a situation where a business owner just says enough is enough and they're not really maybe participating or they're not really doing what they're supposed to do? Right. What What I like to let business owners know is, you know, this is certainly your business just like I own my car. Um, the only difference is that when I back my car out of my driveway, I have to follow the rules of the road. Right. So if you're not the right person who wants to get into the weeds of what you need to be compliant with or how to manage through this, then let's talk about another resource in your organization who I can work with, who will be responsible right. for this and just keep you updated. Right. <laughs> right. If they're fed up with it, that's fine. But let at least assign it to somebody else, bring right. in somebody else, do something. because You don't want to lose your business right. over stuff that you just don't want to deal with. Yeah, and I've seen people lose their business of not doing their taxes correctly. That's right. And, you know, with, with lawsuits and things have shut them down and losing good people. People just get fed up because they didn't have things done correctly. I mean, and it's just a matter that you know, partly they don't think it's going to happen to them or they just, maybe they just figure, well, if, if someone ever does come in here and say something, I'll just deal with it then. But they don't realize how big of a problem it is, right? It's how complex it can be. Right. Something that seems so small can become so complicated, could become a class action. Right. They think it's just going to be a few cockroaches in the bathroom, and it turns out to be a few tigers in the bathroom. So it's <laughs> a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go to a quick commercial break, um, and then we'll bring back an Anita, and we'll keep talking after this uh, here on Talent Talk Radio. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news, or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? 
Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Town Talk Radio Show. We're here uh, speaking with uh, Anita Nygaard, a president of Core HR. And uh, we're just sort of talking about all of the fun and excitement of employee law and uh, making sure we're being compliant, make sure we're allowing our businesses to do what's best for them to, to be successful and to ensure that they are focusing in on what makes their business tick without being distracted, right, about the, about the law and basic things you're supposed to do with your employees, regardless of where you are, but especially if you're in a, I like to say, a coastal state. It seems like our coastal states have the most complexity, Atlantic or Pacific. Um, Very true. <laughs> but, um, you know, maybe let's talk about, instead of all the bad stuff, let's talk about a success story. Let's talk about a good thing. And maybe you could talk us through a recent success story for you and your firm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a business that I was working with that has been around for almost 50 years, uh, doing what they do best. Um, I started working with them about three and a half years ago. And when I came in, um, I knew that they had a fairly new CEO, although the CEO wasn't new to the company. He was new to that role and had a very different style than the outgoing CEO as often happens. Um, so a lot of the management team and what have you was, everyone was used to how the old CEO did business, and the new CEO came in and had new direction, new ideas, and it takes a while for people to get accustomed to that. Yeah. Well, some of the legacy issues that have been going on were that employees had long tenure, but really weren't managed to measurable objectives. Some managers did a better job about this than others. You can find that in almost any organization. Mm -hmm. This was a fairly sizable, small organization. So we're talking about close to 300 employees in multi-state. So you really feel the impact when you've got some teams that are doing really well and other teams that really aren't. So it took us a good three years to work through having them, helping the managers understand how to manage performance, how to create objectives, that tied into the strategic objectives for the business. Along those lines, we had conversations about what is your team really good at? Where do you think you really shine and outshine your competition? Through these types of conversations, we came to the conclusion that they should sell off an entire part of the business that wasn't profitable, um, where there was there were too many competitors in the space and it just, there wasn't a good ROI on right. that type of business. Once they did that, we could really focus on the side of the business that was very profitable um, and continue to grow that size, side, add new talent, bring in fresh ideas that we needed because we had long tenured employees, uh, start to create our own best practices and reinvent how they approach their work that made them very good at what they did. Um, this business is a TPA, so they're a third-party administrator, mm -hmm. and they're insurance adjusters that adjust claims. And so their big clients are big-name insurance companies. Um, some might be municipalities as well. So in the course of all these changes, the wonderful thing that happened is that this business became very profitable, whereas they weren't profitable when I first started working with them. They became profitable. They were able to really redefine their quality standard. Uh, they were able to attract new business. And more recently, they were able to attract a, a wonderful buyer. 
for the business. So oh. now they will become larger than they ever have, and they'll be able to uh, work in a much larger larger um, game ballpark than, right. they've, than they've ever been able to operate in before. And when you started talking about that story, I started thinking about the, really the culture of the company, right? Where That's you didn't right. have that. Maybe it does fit into a uh, legal perspective and a, uh, you know, what you're talking about and how do you manage people and being able to document that or having a fair or uh, transparent way to do that. But it's right. also about culture. It's also about saying, this is what our priority is, is That's what we right. want to do. And now we need to go manage it. Right. Um, it really does create a new culture. That is the the whole the whole point of the human resource function is to make sure that your talent is connected into your strategic objectives as an organization. Um, folks shouldn't be coming into work and just just kind of thinking, "Hey, I'll do what I can. I'll get done what I can get done today. And if it doesn't get done, there's always tomorrow." Mm-hmm. Um, employees should really be dialed into why the priorities make sense and how to how to do your job in a way where you know what it looks like to be successful this shouldn't be a mystery it shouldn't be hit or miss um, so really some of the basics go back to what are the expectations do departments have objectives that truly align with the organization's strategic objective of where they need to be and then how do you break that down for each role each role in the organization how should those folks be approaching their work to be successful what do they need to accomplish in a week's time, in a month's time, in a quarter? And keep your finger on the pulse. Keep your team informed on how the entire company is performing, how the departments are performing, and what really works. Share best practices across the organization. If, if you've got a couple departments that have been able to increase their efficiencies, share those insights with the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the with the client that I had just mentioned a moment ago, you had some teams that were working very efficiently, but then they would hoard that information and they wouldn't share it with other departments. Um, there's no reason to do that. You're all one team. You're all pulling and rowing in the same direction to steer the big ship. Right, right. And And do you see a correlation between... Uh, I guess companies that are doing it well or companies that are struggling with with the types of issues that you're coming in to help them with, does that have a correlation between a strong culture or a weak culture or a misaligned culture? Yeah, for sure. Um, There are a lot of organizations out there where I think managers have an idea that they need to be the ones that dole out all of the tasks. And if they could just find out more time, if they could just find more time in the day, <laughs> then they could get everything done. And the truth of the matter is that the employee should be responsible for 90% of the decisions that impact their role directly. So there really needs to be a whole lot more delegation going on in every organization. Mm-hmm. I mean, every I've worked with hundreds of organizations, and every time I get into an organization, that work could have been delegated much more efficiently or effectively, but you've got managers that believe that the best way they can be a resource to the company is to do it all themselves. Um, And truly, that's not a good use of resource. It's not a good use of their time. They could be operating in a much more strategic manner if they didn't need to be stuck in the weeds all day. And the employees would feel so much more fulfilled and engaged if they could have an expansion of their scope of of control and uh, responsibility. Yeah, and it really has, you know, I think delegation is a, a, pr- a pretty important 
thing that we're trying to solve. And there are systems like Agile and Scrum, I think, that do a pretty good job of helping with that. But I'm noticing that it really has to be a part of the culture where um, there has to be a mechanism in place for delegation to happen. And I, I don't mean delegation where, like, your boss calls you and tells you to do all the work. I mean, how do you take that work and push it across the, the organization to not only to, to where there are gaps where people have the ability to help, but also where the people who are really good at the thing that needs to right. be done are doing the thing. Instead of, geez, we need some extra help in accounting. Can we pull in, pull in these three salespeople to help with that? And they're like, I don't do accounting. This is not my, I hate this. Or vice versa. We need more sales calls done. The accounting people seem like they're bored from one to three o'clock. Let's have them call. Right. And they're not good at talking on the phone with, you know, like a salesperson would and all that. I don't have the training. Right. And yet we sort of do that kind of thing. So I, for us in our organization, and I've seen this in a lot of organizations, we coach people to have, um, to be able to ask for help, but in a in a meeting or a team sense, right? For them to actively say, I don't know, I need help with this, um, and get that conversation going. Because then magically, I find that people will come together to help them and they'll say, oh, well, I can help you with that thing. Right. I'm good at that. I, I like to make lists or I like right. to do this thing, right? And they're gone. And, and, and it wasn't a formal delegation, right? We didn't Right. Sometimes, some a lot. Uh, sometimes you'll find these hidden talents mm-hmm. uh, when you have a staff meeting. Right. You know. So, w- one of my one of my key recommendations for all managers is to have regular touch points with your entire team. And if your team is remote, great. You can do it Skype. You can do it mm-hmm. as a conference call. But let your team know how things are operating. Talk to them openly about other areas where you feel you could recognize some efficiencies and ask them for their ideas. Right. And you'd be amazed at the feedback that comes up when people have an opportunity, you know, to kind of uh, to let you know their hidden talents or their hidden desires of how else they can help out the team. You can find the help that you need or your employees may know of someone right. or that resource may be in another department. Yeah. And that's we try to really actively encourage them to ping other people in other departments right. for those meetings. Because if you just ask your same team or your same department over and over again... You're it, going back to the same well. Right. Same well. Right. It's pretty stagnant. It's amazing when we do something like Agile or Scrum that you bring in a team of people and you have like one for marketing, one from customer service, one from sales, You have one, and they have right. a totally different perspective than if you just put the sales team on this particular thing, right? right. And different right. talents and different abilities. And yeah. um, it really, and that's a, you have to have a, my point is you have to have a system, you have to have a way in which you can handle the, the correct disbursement of work. And you can have a cross-functional task force team, mm-hmm. right? Let, let's say that, um, so I've got a, a, a small software engineering firm and they're three years into being a startup. But they've, uh, I was with them when they were five employees, and now they're in the mid-30s. So um, they've really grown up over time. And they recently did a mini-reorganization to uh, make sure that their engineering team is focused around projects, different types of project work. So you get, you could say that, you know, well, they're all engineers, and that's true, but there are different strengths and different levels of experience. So now they're organized uh, in project teams so that you've got these teams working to their strengths. But what we've also done is we are, we're going to be partnering up and buddying up some of the junior engineers that have similar development growth goals mm-hmm. so that they can begin to share resources and best practices on how to become more experienced engineers in their continued career development. Um, so you can have task force that are focused around client projects. You can have task force that are focused around a particular company issue 
that you feel is widespread and you want to you want to get some more intel about it, you really want to get your um, your arms around it. Uh, it might be employee satisfaction, for example. But there are a lot of creative ideas out there and ways that you can best use the resources that you have, or at least pull your resources to find out what other ideas they have. Right. Um, yeah, and it's just all about that system. It's all about having some way, and 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 we have to talk about it all the time. If we don't, and if we don't talk about it, people tend to go back to just the same. Your point, the same, same old, same old, same well over and over again, and and we really try to avoid that. Um, you know, another way for them to do that is to be exposed to new ideas, to get new trainings, to read new books. And I'm wondering if there's a book that uh, you're reading now or that you've read recently you might suggest for us. Yeah, for sure. Search Inside Yourself. It's not a new book. It's by Meng Tan. And uh, he was one of Google's earliest engineers. And he's a personal growth pioneer. I reread this book. I, I, it, it's been out for, I think it came out in 2007. So I was interested in picking it up again recently after talking to two of my nieces who are fairly recent college grads, and they're each kind of fed up with the first job that they took out of college, and mm-hmm. they're already wanting to make a career change just a couple of years out of college. So I sent to each of them this book, and I started to read it again myself, and um, it has a lot to do with enhancing your mindfulness and the emotional intelligence both in life and work. Um, so I, I just... I, I love what the book is about. It has exercises in it. Um, it. It gives you ideas such as something you may or may not be aware of, that it actually takes three positive experiences to overcome a negative one. Hmm. Um, it talks a lot about what's the best way to make a tough decision. You have to do it with kindness and empathy. Um, if you wish other people to be happy when you meet them, you will radiate kindness. So. It, it's It's got some wonderful advice in it, but it also has some tough exercises that you can go through yourself to really get to the core of what makes you feel the most purposeful. Right. Yeah, and that sounds like a great book. I'm sure our, our uh, listeners would love to check it out. We've had so many great suggestions um, with different types of books. Everything from, you know, business books and HR books to fiction and biography. We've had, we've had it all, even children's books. So uh, we love all the great suggestions. Um, you know, is there maybe a, a fundamental piece of advice that you might, uh, you know, if, if, if those employers and those people are listening today that are having some problems, the kinds of problems that you might be able to help them with, what's the one thing you w- would hope they might do after listening to our conversation today? Don't be afraid to work with an expert to help manage <laughs> your business. N- know your strengths and your limitations. Yeah. Yeah, maybe take yeah. the blindfold off. It's time to it's, it's time to it's time to look in the mirror and maybe deal with some of that stuff you know is there. Um, well, how can people get a hold of you and learn more about Core HR if they're interested uh, in in getting your help and learning more, especially if they're here in, in locally in Southern California? Absolutely, our website is corhr.com. Uh, folks can always check us out there. Um, I am on LinkedIn as well, um, Twitter, and um, I. I do some speaking engagements around mm-hmm. town. I recently did a presentation to the Society for Design Administrators, Irvine Chapter. Um, I'll also be speaking at the OC Bar Association uh, later in March, doing a mini legal update. Very good. Very good. Well, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, and you're, you're local, and we're both at the same club sometimes, so hopefully we can have you come back in and give us some updates on all the cool things you're doing, and of course, maybe there's some legal updates and things like that. Love to have you come back um, on the show uh, at any time. 
Great. I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much, Chris. All right. Thank you, Nita. Um, and uh, thank you to everyone who's tuned in to listen. Um, next week, uh, let's see what we have happening next week here. We'll be joined by Mark Miller, the Vice President of High Performance Leadership uh, for Chick-fil-A. And then we'll have uh, Jeff, uh, let's see, Gottlieb, the Vice President and Strategic Employment Partners. So employment, uh, employment Partners. I've probably messed up his last name and I'll get it correctly. Maybe I will. We'll probably have to ask him. Anyways, until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2. 